You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about our relationship with our bodies. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I have a story to tell about Pepper's glasses. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be able to relate to the yes. story. Yes, I think you have told a similar story <laughs> with maybe less toddler input. So here we go. Pepper started wearing glasses, I don't know when, a while ago. Mm-hmm. And it had been going well to wear them because we will put them on him when we drop him off at school. And I think school is interesting enough that he keeps them on. Mm-hmm. So at some point on a weekend, he was wearing them and then they disappeared. So I knew that we'd had them at the park on Friday afternoon. So I went there a couple times and looked. We looked all around the house. We asked him where they were, and he said, I froed them into the guy, which means I threw them into the sky. Mm-hmm. Great. Very helpful. <laughs> so helpful. And we never found them. Oh, so no. we made an eye appointment. We went. We paid for the new glasses, which, because we had gotten this pair in January, we were not eligible for insurance for another pair. So we paid out of pocket. And then. Three days after we'd ordered the new ones, before they'd even come in, I found his glasses in the floor of our closet. (laughs) So not in the sky. Very visible. Not buried under things. They were just sitting there on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how is this possible? So now we have two pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. I think it was the right choice to get the new ones because he is much more willing to wear them. I think the prescription is... Feels better for his eyes. Okay. And so that's a good thing, a silver Mm -hmm. lining of this (laughs) ridiculous saga. But needless to say, it's good now that we have two pair. Yes. I have loved having a backup pair. And we got our second pair on iBuyDirect.com when we got the prescription, which was very affordable. Mm. I think we only paid $20 for her backup pair. So I recommend that in future if you need more pairs. Okay. Hopefully we never will. (laughs) Hopefully this is the last time we lose the classes. I hope so, but we'll see. (laughs) What's new with you, Sarah? I want to give an update about our washing machine situation. As listeners may recall, we had a washing machine that was not working very well for a little over a year. I tried to make progress on this in the spring. I thought it was still under warranty. It was not under warranty. Then I just put it off because it felt overwhelming. All the places that work on this type of machine were full or had closed, and it was just too much. Then the washing machine got really horrible this fall, (laughs) where you had to try running it five or six times for it to actually go through a full load. We called somebody, paid them some money to tell us that the replacement part would cost $800. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We already hate this washing machine. Worst purchase I have made in my adult life. Oh, no. So we're not going to be paying $800 to fix it. We looked on Craigslist. Neil found a washer. He added some boards to a skateboard and then walked there and put the washing machine on this skateboard contraption and pushed it home. I was very skeptical about how this would work, but it was very smooth. He came home quite quickly. (laughs) And now we have a working washing machine. 
We put the other one up for free on Craigslist. Someone came and took it away. And this one only cost $60. I can't believe we spent that much money on a terrible washer before when we could have just done this to start with. But <laughs> lesson learned. Here we are. We can wash clothes now without it causing a lot of angst and sadness in my life. I'm so glad to hear that. It's a win. Now let's move into what we've been reading. What is your latest book? I just finished reading Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Stutz Waters. This is a female-female romance where Selena and Cade are thrown together after Cade's aunt dies and leaves Selena and Cade joint shares in her sex toy store, <laughs> which is called mm. Satisfaction Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> the premise, as you can probably tell, was delightful. I enjoyed the characters very much. This is a straightforward but lovely romance that I would definitely recommend. Nice. What have you been reading, Sarah? I finished A Lady's Guide to Etiquette and Murder by Diane Freeman. This is a novel about Frances, an American heiress who is living in England, and at the start of the book, she is leaving her late husband's country estate after finishing a year of mourning and moving with her young daughter to London. And this is set in the year 1899. The novel has two different mysteries. One is that someone is stealing jewelry at society events. And two is that Frances is under suspicion for her husband's murder. It was witty and fun. I love a good feminist mystery with women fighting against the patriarchy and solving crimes. It's great. There are four more books and I will be reading them. Love this. Gotta put this one on my holds list right now. Mm -hmm. Now let's move into our topic for today, our bodies. I thought this would be a good topic to address going into the holiday season because I feel like this is the time of the year where there can be a lot of angst around food and bodies. So here we are discussing it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is an update on a previous episode we did about body positivity, and I think both of our viewpoints mm -hmm. have evolved since then. Yes. So it'll be really good to hear how things have changed. And I'm a little hesitant to even bring these up, but I also think it's a pretty big update on our previous episodes about exercise and food from when we first started the podcast mm. about five years ago. I know for myself, I'm guessing that I would disagree with a lot of what past Sarah had to say, but it is out there in the world. <laughs> Let's start by describing our relationships with our bodies. How would you describe that relationship today, and how has that changed over time? Today, I am much closer to body neutrality than ever before. It's a little hard to quantify, but to sum it up, I like my body just fine, and I rarely focus or fixate on it. Yeah. I would say that I feel generally neutral and appreciative. I don't feel like I've ever had a really bad relationship with my body, which I think has a lot to do with being in a thin, white, straight, able body. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like I have much better perspective now than I did in the past. What has helped you change your relationship with your body? A mom friend I know in real life has done so much work around this and regularly passes it along to our 
Facebook mom group. Mm-hmm. I've also done a lot of learning from people talking about this online and writing about it, especially Aubrey Gordon, whose name online is Your Fat Friend, and Jessamine Stanley, who leads the Underbelly Yoga, but then also mm-hmm. talks about body size and movement on her personal page. And I was also motivated by the nutrition class that I had to take this summer as a nursing prerequisite. I was so annoyed by how the things that we learned in that class were contrary to things that I knew from diving into the science on this. And so I was motivated Mm -hmm. to learn even more about how wrong my nutrition text was. Yeah. (laughs) And shared a lot of that with my professor in the course evaluation. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You're a real joy to have in class. (laughs) Oh, I am. I am. Yes. People with PhDs in entry-level science classes, maybe not the best idea. (laughs) (laughs) I will also say that I have been loving the Maintenance Phase podcast, which is an Aubrey Gordon project as well. And I went through a phase earlier this year where I listened to all of the episodes of Christy Harrison's podcast that talked about fertility or pregnancy Mm. or postpartum, because I was Mm -hmm. really interested in how these weight neutral ideas can intersect with pregnancy, because pregnancy is something I'm both personally and professionally really interested in. And it's Mm -hmm. also a time where people tell you a lot of things about your weight. Yes. So I was really interested in what people who are working in those spaces were saying and found some good resources that I think we'll share in our show notes. And I will also say that changing this relationship, I couldn't have done it without people close to me like you who are also working on this stuff and taking their own journey around it. Yeah, I would say the same. I think because it is so contrary to what most of mainstream culture is telling us, Mm -hmm. having people that are also learning from these resources and bringing that into their lives and wanting to talk about that has really made it possible for me to make changes in how I view my body and bodies generally. Absolutely. Like you said, learning more from people doing this work, both on social media and through books, has been instrumental for me. One of my favorite phrases that I've heard somewhere that I come back to is remembering that my body and I are on the same team. I think there was a social media post about this. Mm. This is not an idea I came up with, but I love to think about that. I have found it especially helpful related to medical issues. Mm. I never felt like my body was failing me, which I think can be a really common experience when going through a diagnosis like cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, okay, body, this is not great, but we're doing the very best we can. And just remembering our bodies are trying to do the very best for us. And that looks different at different phases. Mm -hmm. How has your relationship to food changed as you've done more work in this area? I am even better now than I have ever been at eating what I want when I want. And I think I eat the correct amounts of things for my body almost always, which is not something Mm -hmm. I could have said before. I binge almost never now where it was a much more regular thing in my past. And by binge, I mean eat past the point of satiety because of another reason than that I'm enjoying it. I would say I still eat past the point of satiety because it tastes good and I want to. 
but I don't eat a whole bag of chips because I think, well, I started eating this whole bag of chips, so I've Mm -hmm. already blown the calories out of the water or whatever, and so I should just finish it. And I don't think I did that explicitly, but I ate whole bags of chips a lot, and I almost never do that now. Yeah. Even when I have chips whenever I want to. Mm -hmm. So that feels really great. I also think about food so much less and am more in tune with what I want to eat. Even just a few years ago, I would choose to eat foods I thought I should rather than checking in with myself about what I really wanted to eat. And I think I followed more food rules. And I wouldn't have said that if somebody Mm. said, oh, do you follow food rules? Be like, no, no, I eat what I want to. But I don't think that was true. (laughs) Now I do a lot more standing in my kitchen, closing my eyes, and imagining myself eating different foods and then seeing which one sounds the best to me and just really thinking about that in a, all these foods are possibilities, but which one is the one my body desires? <laughs> I do such a better job of honoring what my body wants, and it's so freeing. Reading Intuitive Eating was a real game changer for me in this area. I think I used to think I couldn't be trusted around certain kinds of food. Mm. And if I were to eat sugar, then I would just eat piles and piles and piles of whatever it was and wouldn't be able to stop myself. And that in the language of Gretchen Rubin, I saw myself as an abstainer, as somebody who needed to completely cut something out Mm -hmm. rather than a moderator. And it was really just allowing myself true freedom to eat all of the foods and not restricting myself that I realized, no, I am a moderator. It was the restriction that was leading to those cycles of eating way too much of one food for my body. Mm. And maybe that's a false dichotomy. That moderator-abstainer dichotomy, maybe that's not a real thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just a product of diet culture. Yeah. I think related to food, that has been true for me. Hmm. In a similar vein, how has your relationship to movement changed over time? I think when we first talked about exercise on the pod, I said that I like to think about movement as something I do for my body rather than to my body. And I definitely still agree with that. I think that's a good philosophy of movement for me. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, I would like to find something, some type of movement that is joyful for me, but doesn't require as much activation energy and planning in terms of childcare as getting out of the house for a walk. Yeah. Because we have such limited time with our kids, it really does feel hard to leave them for 45 minutes. Mm. And because it feels like the childcare is also limited in terms of the work that I have to do, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I can really take an hour during the day. So I have been biking a fair amount, but that doesn't feel quite regular enough for me. And so I am in search of something that I can do at home in a short period of time that I still get the mental health benefits that I feel when I'm taking a 45-minute walk. So I'm still exploring that. Yeah. Keep us posted on what ends up working. Will do. For me, I have always enjoyed exercise and movement. And I think now that enjoyment has become even more intense recently. And I think that is largely because 
bringing regular intense exercise back into my life in these last six months has really helped me manage my mood and my anxiety. And I think it also gives me the sense of control over my body, which I don't think is real Mm. because there is so much we cannot and do not control about our bodies. But I've been leaning in to those pieces of what can my body do and the physical challenges and motivation of seeing improvement. I also think I do a better job now of decoupling exercise from weight and the Mm. way my body looks. I think that starting back at Orange Theory this spring was the first time I've gone into exercise not expecting my body to change. Mm. And I'm not sure I would have admitted that before if somebody five years ago said, oh, well, are you exercising to become smaller? Say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. But I think it was linked subconsciously for me and that now I'm much more focused on lifting weights is good for my bone health Mm. and having good cardiovascular health is making it easier to bike places around town and to do more things in my life with ease and focusing on that part of it. So that's been a real positive change for me. Hmm. We've shared a lot about progress we've made around our relationship with our bodies. What about areas where you still struggle? I think that the next place I need to do work is around aging and ability mm-hmm. and how those are linked. I feel like I'm great with my body now mm-hmm. at whatever size. But for one thing, as you mentioned earlier, still pretty straight sized in my body. Right. Still right. a white lady. You know, yep. still have all the privilege that comes with all that. And I can do what I want physically. And I think the likelihood is that that will not always be true. Yeah. And so... I need to do some work around that and around what it means for my ideas about my body and around disabled bodies. So still working on that. Yeah, I am right there with you. I also think I'm still doing some conscious unlearning that I'll have a thought. And now I know to tell myself, that's not right. And then tell myself a true statement about my body or about bodies generally. Mm -hmm. I loved in Lindy West's book, Shrill, when she said that she decided to look at pictures of fat people and see them as beautiful and to retrain her brain as to what is beauty. And I loved that so much because we can change our mind. This idea of what the ideal body is, is a societal construct and not based in fact, and really harmful. We can change our minds. We just have to want to. Absolutely. That is a continual work in progress for me. How has all of this work you've done around bodies influenced your parenting? We read a lot of books with intentionally diverse bodies. Some favorites lately have been Not Quite Snow White and Awesomely Emma. We also talk about body differences very neutrally in our family. For instance, I'm the biggest, then Dada, then Plum, then Pepper. Mm-hmm. As Plum has come home from kindergarten talking about people being skinny or not skinny, we talk really openly about it. Mm-hmm. Why might people mention that? Why does it matter? What does society say about that versus what we believe in our family? And they're sort of just constant conversations. Some of them mm-hmm. are well-received and some of them are like, Ugh, Mom, I know. <laughs> uh-huh. We also don't compliment appearance as much in our 
immediate family, so much mm-hmm. so that I really notice the difference when we're with extended family who mm-hmm. prioritize more physical appearances. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point it might be productive to have a conversation around why do some members of our family feel this way, but we feel this way, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. sort of like drawing attention to those differences. Right. And also when we talk about clothes, we focus on how they make us feel. I love my purple vest because it's so cozy and purple is my favorite versus, wow, this makes me look so thin or does my butt look big or whatever. Yeah. We really love using the phrase, all bodies are good bodies and all bodies are different. We're trying to notice the differences and not shying away from that, like you described in those conversations you're having in your family. I'm also really focused on how bodies change over time and how little control we have over that and highlighting that for our kids that at one point my body looked this way and now it looks different and that that's neutral. It's not Mm -hmm. my body was better before and now it's worse. Right. Lately, my kids have been really into talking about how soft my stomach is, (laughs) one child in particular, and I don't think that would have bothered me to a large degree in the past, but it really doesn't bother me now. (laughs) And I think in the past, I might have felt the need to tell them something about how that's not polite. Mm -hmm. You don't need to educate them at all because your body just is. Yes, exactly. We are also having explicit conversations about how being thin is not better than being fat. I've had to do so much unlearning as an adult, and I want something different for them. Continuing the conversation about parenting and bodies, how are you approaching the holidays and all the conversations and things that happen around food and bodies as we move into December and the new year? Food is a huge part of the holidays for us. I would say probably the biggest part of the holidays. It's the best part. The biggest (laughs) and the best. It's what makes the holidays special. And we lean way into that. I mean, we are going to be making cookies all the time. We're going to eat all the cinnamon rolls. It's going to be cheese dip for Christmas Eve in Mm -hmm. huge vats. I mean, we are really (laughs) going for it with food. And in our immediate family, that's expected. I think my children would be disappointed if we did not have the amazing food traditions that we have in our family. Where it gets a little tricky is when we are in spaces with other adults, whether they're coming into our home or Mm -hmm. we are visiting there around holidays, if they disparage their own bodies or make references to food valuation, I often will correct them. Mm Mm-hmm sort of simply, but out loud in front of my kids, you know, so if somebody's saying, oh, I I can't possibly have another piece of pie. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, do you want the pie? What is your body telling you? Right. Sort of modeling for my kids. That's what we want to know about food, not anything else. Mm -hmm. Does my body want it? And we don't need to perform for one another this idea that we are being quote unquote good around food. Mm Because I feel like that's what so many of those comments are about. It's this, oh, this is different than what I normally do. I'm usually so careful about what I eat. That performative element of it, I Mm -hmm. feel like makes it easier to combat because it just brings all this unsaid things out to the front where everyone can see that, oh, that is actually kind of a weird way to be approaching this. Yeah, totally. 
And the reason that I do that is because I want my kids to enjoy food. Mm -hmm. You know, that to be the first thing that they think about when they think about food. They think about enjoyment and warm holiday feelings and thing, and yes. not any kind of pressure or, like you're saying, performance or that they themselves are good or bad because they've made a choice of what to eat or not to try right. and just be neutral or loving it. And that's it. <laughs> yes. We also are trying to celebrate food with no guilt. I think one of the things I most appreciate about my family of origin and food is that we just love food. We love to talk about it. <laughs> we love to eat it. We love to think about it. And that idea of food as a celebration feels really central to my experience. That said, I still think I had a lot of problematic ideas about my kids and food when they were younger, especially. I definitely restricted what kinds of food they ate when they were younger. And it wasn't, here's food that's available and it's not for you. It was just, let's not have any of that out when the mm -hmm. kids are awake yeah. and they just won't eat it. And that is not the case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're very intentional to not say anything about food being worth the calories, implying that certain foods are bad, or thinking that eating sweets now means you have to make up for that in some way later. When I hear comments along those lines, like you, I try and say something directly to my kids about it or generally to the room about it. <laughs> If people comment on body size, I'm trying to say something to my kids like, all bodies are good bodies. Some people think fat bodies aren't good, but that's not true. Sometimes it feels appropriate to say that in the moment, and a lot of times we're having those conversations when we're back at our house. Nice. That's the end of our conversation today. Listeners, if you have body-related things you'd love to share, we want to hear them. As we've mentioned, there have been many people doing this work that we have learned from, and we would love to share the resources that have been helpful for us. We will put them both in the show notes, and we'll also do some Instagram posts as well. Let's end by sharing something we've been eating lately. I want to share an old standby, which is beans and rice. I know we have talked about that a lot as something both of us eat at our house, but last night I made beans in the Instant Pot and rice on the stove, and as I was eating the meal, I turned to Neil and I said, this is so delicious. I did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so tell how you do your beans in the Instant Pot, because I think this is of interest to people. For the beans, I did not soak them in advance and did 45 minutes in the Instant Pot for one cup. I just added water and salt. I know that you could add lots of other spices. The real key to the deliciousness of the meal was the rice, which I did on the stovetop and I saute it in oil first until it mm -hmm. gets browned. Then I add the chopped onions and let that cook down a little bit. Then I add the broth to it and let it cook. And it is so yum. We also had roasted peppers and onions to put on top. It's just so good. I'm about to heat some up and eat some as soon as we are done recording. That sounds delicious. We also had beans and rice this week because it is something that we almost always have the stuff for. Yes. And it is one of the only meals these days that all four humans really love. Mm. Only two humans love it in my family, but we love it enough for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what I usually do is black beans with smoked paprika, 
garlic powder, chopped onion, and oregano. Mm -hmm. And I do a three to one water to bean ratio. Yes. And then I only do 30 minutes on high pressure Mm. and then natural pressure release. So I guess it probably ends up being a similar level of high pressure. Yeah. I've tried doing it for less and lately I've been having uncooked bean situation Mm. and then you have to wait for it to get back up to pressure. So I think I've been leaning towards longer because of some bad experiences recently. (laughs) That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. question. I would say that's satiety. Have I been saying that wrong? Past the point of satiety? Satiety. Satiety is how you say it? I think so. I mean, you say satiation, so let's look. Now I'm so confused about the word satiety. Satiety. I'm looking at it. Let's get a definitive answer here. Pronunciation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Satiety. Okay. That's one of, there's so many words like this in my life (laughs) that I've been saying wrong forever. And then someone will correct me and I'm like, oh, what's one of them? Oh, I used to say detritus instead of detritus all the time. Yeah. And then Neil was like, what are you saying? (laughs) It's like, oh, whoops. So I love that for you. All right. Learn something new. Can I just do a sidebar? Yeah. You and I are so fun to have at family gatherings. (laughs) Yeah, we're real. We're just a real treat all around. Enneagram 8 at your service. (laughs) As we've mentioned, we have so many resources that we have used and that have helped us on our journeys and that have helped us as we have... I don't know. I'm just confused where my sentence started. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> I got stuck on the word journeys because I was like, oh, that's so cheesy. And then I forgot journeys. what I said before. <laughs> okay. I'm going to throw it to you. I don't have anything. Oh, you don't have any food. I was going to I was going to tell how Pepper ate a, a cat treat. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was like carrying them around and like trying to get the cats to eat them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they're like they're for the senior cats so they have the glucosamine in them. Okay. And I was like maybe the young kittens don't like it because mm. they're for old cats. And mm-hmm. he was like I can try this. I was like, <laughs> are you an old cat? <laughs> if you want to. And he did. He chewed and swallowed it. And then and then I said, was that yummy? He said, hmm, hmm, sort of just like, like, like not yes and not no.
So that's, all, that's very adventurous. <laughs> Needless to say, we have not been having any exciting food here. Yeah. Well, some of you have been having exciting food. 